Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of This Black Bear Has 28 Minutes, a Kootenai Arts and Culture podcast. This podcast is brought to you by an amazing team from the Selkirk College Creative Writing Program, alongside amazing collaborators from across the Kootenays. I'm Claire Fantis. And I'm Dr. Jen, and we are going to be your hosts today. If you're looking for ways to connect and get inspired in the Kootenays and beyond, look no further. Each episode of This Black Bear Has 28 Minutes features interviews, readings, reflections, and more. This episode today is an eclectic mix, including Dr. Jen's introspective interview with local artist Raphael Akiba, a dramatic reading by our very own Oshi Spring, and a conversation with writers, the topic being, do you call yourself a writer? Yes, Claire, we have a great lineup today, and I'm really excited about this. So first up, it was actually an interview that I personally did with an amazing local artist named Raphael Akiba. We have a teaser today of that interview because the interview was far too long to be on this podcast, but I have a teaser for you. I think you will love meeting Raphael. And hopefully, if you want to listen to more, we can tell you after how you can find the rest of it. Um, um, by the way, about your name, weirdly, a couple of days ago when we were talking and I was reaching out to you, I have this cool little like daily kind of spiritual mm-hmm. gardening devotional thing that I do. And your name came up on the day I was talking to you. It said, oh, yeah. Was, uh, how? How? I, I know. This is, it's, so it says, with the turning of the cosmic wheel from south to west, from summer to fall, the archangel Gabriel passes the torch to Raphael. In Hebrew, Raphael means healer of God. Associated mm-hmm. with the winged serpent of the Caduceus, Raphael is also the guardian of science and knowledge. As a healer, Raphael possesses the power to purge us of the illusions that keep us separate from God and from realizing the deepest potential within our souls. Raphael is the agency or power that brings the unconscious to consciousness, the darkness to light. Right? I feel like that is, uh, yeah, it's a responsibility I have. (laughs) Have you actually felt that responsibility in your life? Have I been what? Have you actually felt that responsibility in your life? Yeah, I guess I guess in ways as I've like developed this persona uh, as an artist, you know, it's like it's happened both like organically and intentionally to find out the power of a name and like what it represents mm-hmm. and um, like how I can use that to bring into this world what I'm supposed to bring into this world that's awesome <laughs> and, that's awesome yeah. mm-hmm. and and I mean I for, well, first when I was growing up the name Raphael always resonated with me because I love the Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. that one in particular of the four if you don't know about them is a bit more of like the rebel oh, of perfect. the four of them yep He's kind of like the angsty one. Like, he's not the cool one. He's, like, too cool for them. You know, he's not the one that, like, skateboards and eats pizza and is all chill. Like, he's the one that, like, goes off and, you know, just has his, his lone nights uh, vigilanting around the city. And, like, <laughs> kind of has feels for this this human 
And, uh, like, yeah, yeah, he's just, like, you know, he's tougher, and, and there's always, like, this, like, kind of, like, uh, there's, there's the leader, Leonardo, and he's always kind of butting heads with the leader of the, <laughs> of the pack. And um, I thought that was really, as a rebel, you know, I'm an Aquarius, and I feel like that is kind of, like, something i was like oh okay that's like the, the aquarian side of Raphael, like you know nice. just kind of go against the grain mm-hmm. and um and then yeah then as like a, the the artist Raphael, i haven't learned too much about him i would like to do some more research and um the archangel as well yes so yes. Th- all those things kind of help create the story <laughs> and uh I feel like I owe it to that name to, you know, give it what it needs and bring it to light. So love it. I love it. Yeah. Now I <laughs> understand sort of... that you grew up in Montreal. Is that correct? Yes. I, uh, I was born and raised in Montreal. I lived there till I was about 22 or so. Um, and then I moved out West about 10 years ago. So I, yeah. I just I've been working I've I've been a chef most of my life Mm -hmm. like I've I've worked as a cook um and I went to cooking school after high school and I just kind of that's sort of the career path I went on and um yeah I was really ambitious I worked in some very Mm -hmm. like very good restaurants in the city and and worked my way up and it, it just kind of like got a little too much for me at that age. Like I just, mm. I was ambitious, but I was also, there's something in me that was like, no, that's not like where you need to be. Or this environment is actually toxic for you. You're not thriving or reaching your highest potential. And, um, or like the stress itself is just going to kill you before you <laughs> like, and it's not gonna make you happy. You know, One or the I, other, I, yeah. I, that. I wasn't. So I was like, I need to go. And I'm going to go see what else is out there. And I was really drawn to British Columbia and the West Coast. And, um, yeah, I found myself out here 10 years ago in the Kootenays, actually. Like, I came to visit some friends in Rosalind. And I just ended up staying in Rosalind. <laughs> so just, is, like, that how you, is that how you picked the Kootenays? You visited and never uh, left? I came to visit my friends there for a ski trip the year before and I, I love snowboarding so it was sort of like yeah I just want to be I just want to snowboard <laughs> you know <laughs> I want to get good at snowboarding and I wanted you know that that gave me so much you know that fueled my fire and I was like okay that's what I feel called to do and you know and and I'll find a way to cook and I did and I worked at Ski Hill at Red for like over nine years and wow. I uh yeah I had a great I loved it up there, mm-hmm. you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I felt, um, you know, I was actually like taking a good, finding a good balance with myself and uh, giving time towards things that, you know, I could explore new sides of myself and um, creativity. So you so actually had I, some time and space in your life for a change. Yeah. Yeah. And um, coming out west also introduced me to like the art scene and the festival scene out here, which is really a huge inspiration and motivation to be here, be where I am as an artist right now. Nice, Jen. I have to say that I have listened to the rest of that interview and it's great. I love how honest he is. I have to say, I couldn't help but be sidetracked by the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I think I grew up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Maybe we're like similar generation. And I feel like it says a lot about a person, like what Ninja Turtle you identify with. Um, and like for me, like, cause he was really into Ra- Raphael, but like, I always thought he was kind of like the mean turtle, but <laughs> I was more into Michelangelo who was like, he was kind of chill, you know, he like relaxed, ate pizza. I don't know. Did you, do you remember that show or like, did you? I absolutely remember that show, Claire, not so much from a personal standpoint, but my children definitely were very much into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I have to say, if I was to be really honest, I was probably more like Leonardo. I hate to say that because I was like more the responsible one. But I really would want to be Michelangelo. I want to be the partier. I just want to hang out and eat pizza. So, yeah, that would be my two cents worth on that one. (laughs) Nice. The other thing I was thinking, too, that came up in that interview, I was thinking about this concept that people who come to the Kootenays like arrive here and then they never leave. And I feel like that is its own like narrative trope or something, you know, and I'm wondering like, can you relate to that? Did you, have you lived here for a while? Oh, that's funny that you asked that Claire, because I actually have only lived here for one year. I moved from the coast, White Rock actually just one year ago. But the reason why me and my husband chose to move here is because we've skied in this area for years. We have some friends here. And when we were looking to get out of Dodge and relocate to somewhere a little quieter, um, yeah, we, we naturally picked the Kootenays. I wasn't sure how it was going to be to live here, but I have to admit, one year later, I'm not leaving either. This is it. This is where I'm staying. Yeah, totally. I feel the same. I mean, I'm a bit different. I came from Ontario, but I've also similarly like been here a year and a half, going to slowly be two years, but it's the kind of place that there's something magical about it. And I feel, yeah, once you step in, it's like a vortex or something. (laughs) Well, and I, and I totally see about how the Kootenai arts and culture um, is so big here because it's so freeing and beautiful and there's nature and there's so much to do all the time that I think it just lends itself to that. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, we couldn't, we're so sorry to our listeners. We couldn't put the entire interview on the podcast, but please check out our writer's den online at the black bear review for the full interview. And that's at blackbearreview.ca. Awesome. Thank you, Claire. I really appreciate that. Yeah, the rest of the interview is well worth it. I'm a little biased since I did the interview, but yeah, Raphael's great. And so please visit blackbearreview.ca. All right, next we have a reading by Oshi Spring called The Designer. Keep your ears open for the witty writing that Oshi did about a big-minded designer whose ideas became a crescendo towards a little bit of a maybe grandiose illusion, I would say. <laughs> My name is Santago Machia, and I am the best fashion designer of all time. I have designed clothing for everything you can imagine. I started with humans, as they all do, but they came to bore me. I made clothes for pets next. It started with a dog, then cats, then a goldfish. These soon came to bore me as well. So I started to branch out. I tried making a shirt for an elephant, pants for an amoeba, overalls for a skyscraper, and I succeeded in every step of the way. I achieved all that I could achieve, and I am at the top. No more worlds left to conquer. After I realized I had nothing left, a great depression fell upon me. What is an artist without something to achieve? They called me crazy with every new idea, and I proved them wrong every step of the way. It was invigorating, 
but now my life is nothing. I might as well get a nine-to-five desk job sorting paper from one pile to another while my brain rots out my ears. All this before my time. I never achieved my magnum opus. Woe is me who never hiked that great summit of achievement. You know, that gives me an idea. I've been thinking on too small a scale. What's next won't be for an animal. It won't be for an airplane or a skyscraper even. Bigger than all of that. They will call me crazy once again, and I will prove them all wrong. I know what I'll do with my life now. I will make clothing for Mount Everest. The pinnacle of human achievement is to defeat that mountain, and I will do it the only way I know how. Not with climbing gear, but with a mighty sewing machine. That was hilarious, Oshi. That really reminded me, I don't know, Jen, if you've seen that movie, like The Devil Wears Prada with Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like this obnoxious fashion mogul and she's kind of a narcissist. And I don't know, it just kind of made me think of, of that character yeah, and that idea that... That's the one that know, Anne Hathaway's in as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the two of them. And yeah, Anne Hathaway shows up at the office and like she's not properly dressed and everyone's looking at her and... Yeah, it just made me think that what's considered fashionable and like who gets to determine that is so arbitrary. I don't know. I, I just wish <laughs> bell bottoms would come back in style. <laughs> Especially if they're corduroy. <laughs> exactly. Brown corduroy, actually, to be specific. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, we have actually a candid interview with some really brave souls on whether or not they call themselves writers. Uh, this uh, piece is hosted by Kendra, and uh, she's entitled it Conversations with Writers. And so listen closely. It's um, super interesting what you're going to hear on this recording on whether or not people feel comfortable calling themselves a writer. Hey, Black Bears. I'm Kendra, and I'm a student at Selkirk College right now. I'm in my second year of creative writing. Uh, I am a uh, writer, as they say, and I'm interested in getting to know fellow student writers and sort of hear their perspective on things. My question for today is, for them, is do you call yourself a writer? And if not, what would it take for you to get to the point where you take yourself seriously? I can start with myself and no, I don't call myself a writer. I feel like maybe I'm 50% a writer. And I think for me, really, like coming to see myself as 50% a writer was, uh, you know, to take this course for myself, because I always had it in the back of my mind, okay, you know, you will be a writer someday. And I know some people say, don't take creative writing courses, all you need to do to write is to write. But I think that, you know, taking this course went a long way for me like to sort of legitimize myself and anyways we, I will introduce another fellow student and we can talk to them uh how about Dr. Jen? Thank you Kendra I appreciate the opportunity to participate I am also in the creative writing program at Selkirk and really enjoying it and to answer the question, yes, I do call myself a writer, but that has been a progression. And so I think it's cool for people to think about 
who they are and the, the different parts of themselves. And for me, um, I didn't used to call myself a writer because I didn't go to school or I wasn't published and I didn't wasn't formal and I didn't have a book with my name on the cover. So I didn't call myself a writer. But then when I really thought about it, I thought, you know what, I've been writing since I was a child. I had a diary, I had a journal, I did write. And yes, eventually I did also get published in some magazines and things like that. But I still haven't written the book, like a, like a real book that has pages to it. So there was that, that rub as well. But I'd say overall, I love calling myself a writer. And even to the point where I actually printed it on my business card, I printed them all the parts of myself of who I am. And I put writer first. And that was long before I was writing as much as I am now. And I did that on purpose so that I could move towards that goal. So you could kind of uh, force yourself, okay, now that I call myself a writer, I need to be a writer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I we will talk to Claire next. Hi. Hey, Claire. Claire, how's it going? Um, yeah, so I guess that's a tough question for me, but I kind of feel similarly to Jen, like Dr. Jen, it was a work in progress for me becoming a writer. I also um, realized at some point, I think it was a year ago, that I had been writing since I was like 10 years old. And that and first I usually just wrote for my sister she was like the main audience for me and I used to like write chapters of books and give them to her and she read them and, and um, she loved them so she was it was very exciting um, but other than that uh, I never thought of myself as a writer kind of like Jen was saying because I wasn't published first of all and then also second of all I would think about how good my writing is. Is it, does it have value, you know, um, when I compare it to the other established writers or, you know, in the canon, you know, and I never, I, I wasn't sure, you know, if it was good enough. And um, I guess over time, when you realize, I guess over years or decades that writing is your main form of self-expression and, um, I started to feel that that um, really resonated, uh, and um, now I uh, I feel I feel more confident in saying that I am a writer. Yeah, I love that, Claire, and I also love how you talk about um, when you when you were young, your sister was your main audience. Um, I had that similarly. I would tell my sisters bedtime stories, and I purposefully made them very boring. Um, it was this girl who lived alone and I would describe everything she did, like mundane tasks in minute detail, because I was trying to get them to go to sleep as soon as possible. Anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, we will talk to Cass and Oshi next. Hey, Cass and Oshi. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Um... Okay, uh, I do call myself a writer. Um, I think that my ability and what I call, what I think of writing as is creating a world and then being able to express that using language that other people can understand. And um, sure, certainly you can struggle with how, making people understand and bringing vivid images to mind and learning all those tools, but like, uh, for me, I was a writer 
when I was a child, just thinking of stories in my head, you know, and eventually I was able to learn how to put that onto paper and that felt really good. Um, I have no visual element to my imagination. I have aphantasia. And so I have never been able to like fully realize something in my head without having an external something like a notebook but um, I was never great at writing and I was never like spelling with my hand and I was never great at drawing um, so eventually I had my computer and I was able to type stories and that felt really good um, so I guess like when I felt more like I was an actual writer like and typically I was thinking of writer as someone published but that's kind of more in the past um, when I began, first thought I was a writer was when I was able to write using my tools <laughs> and um, actually get that story onto paper. Um, I'm Cass. I am in creative writing and I still do not call myself a writer, no matter how hard everyone else has tried to call me a writer. I call myself an artist. And there is definitely overlap there. Like writers are artists and artists can be writers. However, um, writing to me feels like the gouache paint I've had for two years now. And every time I put it on the piece of watercolor paper I'm painting on, it looks like garbage and I can't make it work. And it does not resonate with me. <laughs> it's just like a different medium of my artwork that I just can't get to stick properly. And regardless of if it actually looks or reads or sounds good, um, it still doesn't read or look or sound good in my brain. Mm -hmm. So I can't make that aspect of it work for me, which is why I am having such a hard time calling myself a writer, despite talking to you right now in a creative writing setting. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I'm working on it because I write a lot. <laughs> I love your metaphor, Cass. Um, I don't know, like just hearing you talk, I'm like, yeah, they have a, they have a way with words. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting sort of that, uh, you know, not seeing yourself as a writer, but other people seeing you as a writer and maybe, maybe some of that external validation can help but it but it really does have to be internal uh okay everyone that was a great conversation i think we got some really interesting points of view and maybe that will help listeners in their own journeys with writing and like you know in their own perspective of whether they see themselves as a writer or not I love how authentic people are in that conversation. I mean, I think either way, it takes a lot of courage to identify as a writer or as a non-writer. It means expressing your vulnerability, you know? Like if you say you're a writer, well, now you have to own it. You feel you have to put something out there that's quote unquote good enough. And then on the other hand, if you say you're not a writer, you're kind of revealing another part of you, like the part of you that's not sure or is still forming. So I think it's kind of a neat conversation. I really enjoyed oh, it. I completely agree with you, Claire. I'm 
as you if you've noticed I was actually one of the people that was speaking on that one and it's really true it's it's interesting as our, our evolution and development um, as writers when we we feel comfortable or think that we can claim that term or not so yeah I would also agree and I love how you called it being vulnerable because I think everybody there in that interview was and yeah I really appreciated that yeah so that about wraps up our show that's going to be all for now folks and I would like to give an enormous thank you to everybody who contributed to our episode today uh, behind the scenes and on the scenes and if you've liked what you've heard you can find a lot of the work on our website which is the blackbearreview.ca and I wanted to give an extra shout out to Cass Hoskins our podcast producer who turns our disorganized recordings into something very coherent so thank you Cass <laughs> yes and thank you everyone as well to helped out in the producing of this episode especially today we had Raphael Oshi, myself, Dr. Jen, Claire, my wonderful co-host, Cass, and Kendra. And last but not least, our fearless leaders, to whom this wouldn't be possible, our faculty advisors, Lisa Dean and Renee Harper. Is there a podcaster in you? If you would like to read your own work or submit something to our podcast, please do. You can send your pieces via email to theblackbearreview at gmail.com. That's blackbearreview at gmail.com, all one word with a subject line, podcast guest submission. Absolutely, Claire. We're open to anybody who'd like to contribute. That would be fun if you if you wanted to give it a shot. And again, don't forget to pick out our, check out our page, blackbearreview.ca, for all your Kootenai poetry, fiction, nonfiction, art needs, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, take the time to enjoy the rest of my interview with Raphael. It's well worth listening to. And of course, please join us again next episode for more enriching conversations and performances. We're so excited to share another season of artistic inspiration and expression with you all. Goodbye for now. Be kind, be resilient, and never stop being creative.